Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for 30% off. There's trade rumors and all kinds of great content on The Athletic right now. Even mock drafts. We're going to talk to the great Sam Vecini today. You can go read his mock draft and all of his draft coverage. It's always good. So be sure to go check that out. I've got my good friend Alex Spears with me today. Alex, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. Well, what a week it was, Andrew. It all started last Friday night with a dominant Mavericks win over the hot Memphis Grizzlies, 112-85. Since I picked the Mavs as this year's turnaround team on this very pod three weeks ago, the Mavericks are 10-2 overall, number one ranked defense, best net rating in the league. Unbelievable. What a turnaround. I am invincible. <laughs> Do my powers have no limits, Andrew? On Saturday night, the Brooklyn Nets beat the New Orleans Pelicans 120-105. to Unfortunately, the win came at a cost. On a Pelicans fast break in the second quarter, rookie Herb Jones ran into Bruce Brown, who fell backwards into Kevin Durant's left knee, leading to a sprained MCL that will keep KD on the bench for at least the next month. Stay tuned for more Nets talk in this week's Wheel of Fame. On Sunday night, the Houston Rockets beat the Sacramento Kings 118-112. They would follow this up later in the week with a win over the Utah Jazz. Just a week ago, the Rockets had lost 11 of their last 12, but have now won three of their last four. Now, we are recording on a Friday. They play the Warriors tonight. But this recent stretch for the Rockets has coincided with some of Kevin Porter Jr.'s best play of the season. He is averaging 18-4-6 on 50-44-83 splits over these four games. And he hit a dagger three against Utah. Ooh, it's beautiful. It was On, ballsy. Ballsy. Very Shot. ballsy. <laughs> On Monday night, the Los Angeles Lakers finally figured it all out. A season of <laughs> disappointment and mediocrity was wiped away after the Lakers had a statement win against the Utah Jazz at home. Sure, the Jazz have lost six of seven, including losses to the Rockets and Pistons. But this was the turning point in the Lakers season. All you Russell Westbrook haters out there, well, you've got some crow to eat, don't you? Or did you miss Russ dunking all over the screen assist assassin, making the deep hoy look foolish? I guess the trade doesn't look so bad now, huh? A quick note, uh, I wrote all this on Monday night. The Lakers are back, Andrew, and the league is officially on notice. Hashtag why not, hashtag Washed King, hashtag Vogelmania. On Tuesday night, 
The Timberwolves survived a last-second attempt by Alec Burks to beat the Knicks 112-110 in MSG. Meanwhile, in a win against Detroit, the recently returned Klay Thompson had a season-high 21 points, including 17 in the first half. On Wednesday night, it was a highlight night for the big men. First in Philly, Joel Embiid scored 50 points in only 27 minutes in a win against the Magic, a game in which Mo Bamba also scored 32 points while hitting seven three-pointers. And then, in an overtime game against the Clippers, last year's MVP, Nikola Jokic, dropped a 49-point triple-double, the final assist coming on a cross-court pass out of a double team to Aaron Gordon in the opposite corner, who hit the game-winning three for the Nuggets. Also on Wednesday, the um, Lakers lost to the Pacers at home. Uh, The Lakers are spiraling. Frank Vogel is fired, but not really, but he is. All is lost. The Russell Westbrook trade will eventually have its own Wikipedia page. There is no escape. The only good thing about the Lakers are the Twitter spaces their fans make. Shout out to Late Night Lake Show. There is no hope. LeBron had a chance to tie Kobe's ring total, but instead decided to put together a team your dad would recognize. Life is meaningless. (laughs) Kurt Rambis won 28% of his games as a head coach, but would like to chime in. Hashtag why not? Hashtag Wash King. Hashtag Vogelmania. And finally, on Thursday night, the Suns once again reminded everyone who the best team in the league is by beating the red-hot Mavericks in Dallas, 109-101. to Also on Thursday, the Pacers, on a back-to-back, without any of their starters, playing Kiefer Sykes and Goga Batadze, 30-plus minutes each, beat the Golden State Warriors in overtime at the Chase Center. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week it was, Al. And right now, we're going to transition real quick to our guy Sam Vecini to figure out what in the world is going on with this Shade and Sharp situation. All right, so today, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN reported that Shade and Sharp, ESPN's number one ranked recruit in the class of 2022, would be eligible to apply for the 22 NBA draft as an early entry candidate. Sharp is currently on campus and practicing with Kentucky, but has not yet played a game. This has the potential to shake up the upcoming draft, and so we got our guy, Sam Vecini, to help us break this down. Thank you for joining us, Sam, on such short notice. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I look like shit right now because (laughs) I have been awake since 6 o'clock, essentially, making phone calls and writing because Kyle Tucker and I, our Kentucky beat writer, teamed up on a story uh, to kind of – you know, explain what this shade and sharp situation is and is not. It, it's a complicated uh, explanation on what's happening, I think, is the fair way to put it. Yeah, let's let's get into that some. Uh, and just for our listeners, this will come out on Saturday. We're recording this Thursday night. So this is like a, a multi-layered slam and jam coming at you. Um, so... Why are we just now finding out about Sharp's eligibility? Kyle Tucker sent out a tweet saying, like, this is not a new development, but this was not something they wanted to get out. Like, did something change? Like, what's going on here? So I've been making calls to NBA teams, to agents, to grassroots people throughout the morning that I've been awake. And obviously for me, the morning's a little bit different than you guys, right? right. Uh, the story broke at like 5.45 and you know I happened to be awake at six o'clock and just immediately started working. So that's also the question that NBA teams have is why is this breaking now? This is not a new development. 
Kyle is right. This is not a new development for NBA teams either. This is not a new development for me. I've known that this is a possibility essentially since December. And the reason that, for instance, I haven't talked about it, and I think other reporters haven't talked about it, it seems like, for instance, Jeremy Wu at Sports Illustrated knew about it, Mm -hmm. uh, given what he tweeted immediately after is kind of twofold here. So first, Jaden Sharp has been very clear throughout the process that he does not, he, like he hadn't seen himself as a 2022 prospect. He'd seen himself more as a 2023 prospect because he was planning on sitting out this year after enrolling early and then attending Kentucky for the 2022-23 season. In fact, we got a quote from Shaden Sharp's mom, Kyle Tucker did, uh, within our story saying, you know, that's still the plan is to go back to Kentucky and play, right? So this whole time, that's been Shaden Sharp's plan, seemingly. On top of that, there's some question in terms of his eligibility. If you know the report from John, who's great, like I, I have no, you know, I, I love John. I, think that he does a great job over at ESPN. I, I don't yeah. take shots at John. I, I certainly don't mean this to come off that way. Um, he wrote it as Shaden Sharp can apply for the 2022 NBA draft, which is very specific wording, which means that the NBA is going to have to make a determination on his eligibility as to whether or not he will be cleared to be part of the 2022 NBA draft. And the reason for that is kind of what Kyle and I wrote. So it appears according to Kyle Tucker or according to Kyle Weaver, who was Shaden Sharp's high school coach in Arizona, that Shaden finished his classes to graduate in the summer. I can't really get anyone who's telling me when he graduated yeah. uh, and when he actually finished high school. Uh, and in order to be eligible for like the upcoming draft in any year, you have to meet a two prong process as a college player. You have to have turned 19 within the calendar year or older within the calendar year of the draft. So if you turn 19 on December 30th, 2022, you meet that criteria, even though you are 18 throughout most of the year. You guys are well aware of this from having dealt with the Alexei Pokashevsky being the youngest player in the NBA for a yep. year uh, mm -hmm. situation. The second prong is that a NBA season has to have elapsed between the time that you graduated and like your year right so like he has to essentially have graduated before this nba season has started in order to meet the one and done criteria uh of the draft and yeah. there is no way yet to know how the nba is going to come down on that just given that the NBA does not make a ruling on such matters until a player actually applies for the NBA draft and gives them the documentation necessary. Like there's just no reason for them to waste their time. Otherwise, hmm. like Shaden Sharp might not declare for the draft at the end of the day. And there's no reason to import resources into figuring this thing out until it becomes a necessity. Yeah. So 
I say all of this to say, I find it likely that John is probably right. Like John, John is very good at this. And I would imagine that he has some sort of information that says there's a good shot that Shaden Sharp's going to be eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. I will, I want to see the, you know, T's crossed and the I's dotted, I guess. Um, at some point here, just to kind of understand the um, understand a little bit more here. So let's work under the assumption that he does become eligible for this draft because that's the more fun scenario. We've got a lot of fans <laughs> of bad teams out there who are now suddenly excited that a top prospect might be in this draft. Tell us a little bit about who Shaden Sharp is as a player and how he ended up as the number one ranked recruit in his high school class. Yeah, really interesting story. So he is originally from Canada, plays for the Uplay program up there for uh, his AAU basketball. And he came down to the United States, I believe, for his sophomore year. He originally enrolled at Sunrise Christian in Kansas and then went to Dream City Christian in Arizona. Both of these places are high-level basketball schools, uh, and he did it to develop. And... Back when he was at Sunrise Christian, he was seen as like a solid four-star recruit, super upside, long, athletic, has a real chance to be an impact player, uh, but very raw, very, very raw in terms of skill set. Over the course of his junior year, and particularly within the summer between what would have been his junior and senior year, he exploded. He became not only a ridiculous athlete who's six foot six with like a six eleven wingspan, something in that range, uh, who can leap and finish way above the rim and be active defensively and has good body control and balance and everything like that. He became a real shot maker and shot creator. Uh, at Peach Jam, for instance, which is uh, important because last year was the first year that NBA scouts were allowed at Peach Jam in order to get real evaluation time with this class because the pandemic had kind of wreaked havoc on NBA scouts ability to get evaluation time with that upcoming recruiting class in 2022. Shaden Sharp dominated. He led the EYBL in scoring last year. And at Peach Jam particularly, he scored, I believe it was like seven points per game off of pull-up jump shots. He shot like 40% from three. And we're talking like, high degree of difficulty shots, like out of isolation, crossover, left to right, step back, sidestep, going to his right, staying on balance, knocking down a shot. Can do it going to his left as well. Uh, real shot making, craft, and ability for himself. Uh, on top of that, he led Peach Jam in finishing efficiency at the basket, uh, including all bigs. He shot 72% at the basket at Peach Jam last year, hmm. which is hmm. like a ridiculous combination of skills whenever you're trying to project a player to the NBA. On top of that, 6'6", you know, 6'11"-ish wingspan, let's call it. Could be 7 foot, could be 6'10". He has long arms. He is a active on-ball defender. Uh, when he's like really, truly engaged. I don't know what he's going to look like off the ball just because it's AAU and who the fuck knows with yeah. AAU basketball guys in terms of like <laughs> off ball awareness defensively. It's just not something that comes into play all that often. Yeah. Um, 
And on top of that, where the concerns are going to kind of come in is just a lot of his play comes out of isolation right now because nobody could really guard him at that level, right? He hasn't had like a crazy amount of reps in pick and roll. He doesn't have like a ton of tape yet, at least. I don't know if he can or can't do this, but he doesn't have a lot of tape, at least, of him hitting high-level passes and being like a quote-unquote high feel for the game guy or anything Mm -hmm. like that. We don't have like evidence of that yet. But you combine the athleticism with the shot-making ability from three, with the finishing, with his frame that looks like it's going to be able to put on 15 more pounds of muscle pretty easily. Uh, It's a very enticing skill set that NBA teams are very, very interested in. Hmm. So listening to you and Penny on the Game Theory pod, you guys did a mock draft recently, and things started to get a little weird around five or six. So given how uncertain things are at about that part in the draft, is Sharp a lock to go top five, even though we've never seen him play at Kentucky? So I would be stunned if he fell out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. I think if the right team got the number one overall pick, he would be in the mix and at the very least get a workout. Ooh. Uh, hmm. like is there, a team, that, Orlando, is there a team that when you say that, like you think of? Yeah, like think of Orlando, right? Orlando has Wendell Carter Jr. They have Franz Wagner. They have Jonathan Isaac, whatever Mobamba is going to be, right? The top three guys at the top of this class are all bigs. They're Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a case that, you know, Jaden Ivey is a better prospect than Shaden Sharp. I would currently rank Jaden Ivey ahead of Shaden Sharp, but I think the teams will differ on that, to be honest. Hmm. So, I think that if Orlando would get the number one overall pick, for instance, and by the way, they have the worst record in the NBA right now. Yep. They would almost have to consider him on some level. Like he fills the exact thing that they need as a shot making wing with real size and strength and length. Like Mm -hmm. if you have Jalen Suggs as the guard you're building around, you have Shaden Sharp as the wing you're building around, you have Wagner and Isaac and Wendell Carter, and then you have Cole Anthony, like Chumo Kiki, like you have all these guys, like, it's a very enticing, uh, I think, set of players to build around if you'd be Orlando. Whereas if you're taking someone like Chet Holmgren, what do you do with Wendell Carter at that point? What do you do with Chet Holmgren? What do you do with Jonathan Isaac? Same thing goes for Jabari Smith. Same thing goes for Paulo Bancaro. Uh, I, I think that there are teams like Orlando that should like at least bring Shaden Sharp in see what he looks like against guys working out and just kind of go from there. Sam, I wanted to read you a tweet and get your reaction. So this comes to us from at Stephen G hoops, who in reaction to this news tweeted, if we're going just on high school film, I'm sure Jaden Hardy would be similarly talked about at this point. If he hadn't played all season, do you agree with that? Or is there more reason to be confident regarding the evaluation of sharp at this point? I think more reason to be confident on sharp because Hardy has always had holes in his game uh, in regard to, look, you have to be a crazy athlete in terms of just quickness, body control, like explosiveness, finishing at the basket, everything like that. Like you have to be a crazy athlete to be a, I don't know, how tall do we think Jaden Hardy is? Like six foot 
two and a half, six foot three. Like, yeah, six three feels generous. Something like that, right? Like, yeah. he's listed at six four, but I'm, I, I don't know. When I see him, you know, in, you know, in those games on the, in the G League, I, I'm not totally convinced he's that big. Mm-hmm. Um, he is long, like, he makes up for it with his length and everything. But I, I've always thought that Jaden Hardy was a little bit less interesting than Shaden Sharp. He's shorter. He has never defended at the level that Sharp has at least flashed from time to time defensively. Um, and frankly, I think he's a worse shooter. Like Sharp has had some, you know, inconsistent moments as a shot maker. But I, I think that I trust him a little bit more uh, as a pull-up shooter. And that bit of length and height, it really matters when you're going up levels and you're able to get cleaner looks against a wider swath of players uh, that are matched up against you in mismatches. Uh, and that you're able to have real contact balance going toward the rim and everything like that. So I understand the point that he's trying to make. I don't think that it's an unfair point that Shaden Sharp is still a very high variance prospect because he is. I think that's undeniable. Like Shaden Sharp could bust. He could be really good. I would not deny that at all. I think he's a higher level prospect than Jaden Hardy by a somewhat substantial margin. Uh, Okay. One last question. I'm just curious how, this season, you know, there's your you have your top three guys, really four: Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo, Jaden Ivey. Is kind of everybody has those guys in some kind of order. Uh, which one of those guys has surprised you the most so far this season? Jabari Smith, I think. Uh, I did not expect him to be as polished off the bounce to where he'd be able to like grab and go on the break and be able to uh, like pull up for three off of grab and goes because nobody meets him like at the point of attack. Uh, I've been very impressed with Jabari Smith. I think that I kind of expected some, I kind of expected some early struggles from him, just dealing with the strength, dealing with kind of everything that comes with, uh, being skinny and having to adjust to playing college basketball. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there's been no adjustment. Uh, he's also the youngest of these guys. And I think there's a case that he's been every yep. bit as effective as Chet and Paulo. And, and to be that young, uh, he doesn't turn 19 until May. Like he's, I mean, he's basically the same age as like Shaden Sharp, who we're all talking about is this like, um, underage prospect that yep. is going to have to get cleared by the NBA essentially to enter this draft. I mean, yeah, I've been remarkably impressed with Jabari Smith. Uh, yeah. I think that he is, he's morphed into a very real legitimate, like guy that would go in the top three in uh, any draft. Yeah. Have you, you said that you didn't have a tier one prospect. Is he, is he approaching that at all? Not really. Not really. Shaden Sharp wouldn't either. I mean, look, tier one guys for me are like Cade was one last year. Um, I had DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic there because I was a little bit higher on DeAndre's shot creation than some people were. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Zion was definitely a tier one guy. And when Zion's been on the court, I mean, kind of inarguable, right? 
Like yeah. he's just been unbelievable. Force of nature. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, it's more, that's more the, um, the tier one guys. And I, I think Cade is well on his way to, you know, kind of fulfilling that promise as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I would say I don't have a tier one guy in this class. Uh, I probably have the, those three are like maybe tier two guys. And then the rest are going to be like tier three and tier four and down. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, not really awesome. Like, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, not that really fun. Awesome. <laughs> there's some fun guys in this class, though. Like, there there's, some we- yeah. there's some weirdos in this class that I really like. I love like just strange players that you're like, I don't know exactly what to do with like Chet Holmgren. Like, what do we yeah. exactly do with him once he gets to the NBA level? Like, I, I like seeing those guys enter the NBA. Like, I want as many NBA weirdos yeah. as possible. And this class seems to offer some of that. Have you guys come across David Roddy yet at Colorado State? I have not. No. <laughs> What's his story? He is like a six foot four and a half, six foot five, something like that. 250 pound, like <laughs> bowling ball <laughs> who shoots threes at like 43% and is like super <laughs> strong and physical and is good defensively. Like just a... exactly what you're talking about just like a total like oddball prospect that i have no idea what to do with um (laughs) but i am so intrigued and fascinated like i'm pretty sure that he's just like super high level europe like put him in the acb and just let him rock uh like small ball five and four but i I don't know i'm i'm not not ruling it out with the nba (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that's an incredible yeah. story oh sam thanks so much for joining on such short notice to uh just inform us because when stuff like this happens it's confusing to a lot of people i think a lot of people don't understand the story understand why things happen so we appreciate you joining us on the saturday slam and jam of course and i do just again i want to reiterate like the plan with shade and sharp the whole way has been do the second year at kentucky yeah 2022-23 like I, I don't think it's as certain that he will be in this draft as it is like Paulo and Chet and those guys like I, I think that there's just a lot of wiggle room here uh if if I was advising him I would tell him like go do it like th- this yeah. draft is wide open for you like if you go work out really well you should but you know I think it's worth reiterating and keeping in mind like there's a lot of uncertainty about the situation and it'll have to play out over the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, thank you, Sam. Yeah, of course, guys. A huge thanks again to Sam Vecini for joining and giving us all that draft knowledge. Right after this break, we are going to talk to my buddy Mike Smeltz about the Brooklyn Nets. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Andrew, it's time for the Wheel of Fandom, the weekly segment where we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. This past week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the always entertaining Brooklyn Nets. The Nets went 2-1 this week with wins over New Orleans and Washington, with a loss on the road to Cleveland mixed in. The big news of the week, however, was the injury to Kevin Durant, who sustained a left MCL sprain after colliding with Bruce Brown in the game against the Pelicans. Katie is expected to miss at least one month. Andrew, if our new favorite team is the Nets, who is our guest? It's my guy Mike Smeltz from the Glue Guys podcast. Mike, what's up? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so honored to be on the the Saturday Slam Jam. How are you guys? Oh, great. Great that you're here. Uh, not so great is that Kevin Durant got hurt, <laughs> probably because of the Wheel of Fandom. Yes. Uh, is there Are there any silver linings to the situation at all for the Nets? Oh, uh, gosh. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I guess because the unvaccinated one, the great unvaccinated one is playing basketball these days, the team ostensibly could do better. Like, it, it can actually win these games without Kevin Durant. Yeah. But it, it is, you've only been Nets fans for a week, so you yeah, haven't experienced that's right, that's this. Uh, but as uh, the Glue Guys host Supreme, we've been podcasting about the Nets for nine seasons now. That's awesome. It is so Netsian that, you know, Kyrie's unvaccinated. He's pushed away from the team. They bring him back in kind of an embarrassing way where they're like, yeah, Kyrie, you win. Like yeah. they, there was no Kyrie's literally said, yeah, I've thought about this. I'm not getting vaccinated. It's not happening. Um, they bring him back, and everyone is so excited to see Kyrie Harden and Durant. And I think we got a game and a quarter of Kyrie Harden and Durant, and then yeah. Durant gets hurt for a month. So obviously the injury itself isn't devastating. Um, we spoke to Dr. Naraj Patel. He's a uh, a bone and ligament doctor out of Chicago who's a massive Nets fan. Um, and he was talking to us about the MCL injury that he's like, it's going to be usually it's going to be fully healed. No big deal. They'll keep him out for a month, you know, and he'll come back and he'll look like KD of himself. So like, that's exciting. And it's not the worst thing in the world. But man, it's like every time this team kind of seems like it's almost fully formed, they just get mostly because Kyrie remains unvaccinated. They just get like blown out of the, you know, something crazy happens to him. Yeah, what is the stat? Is it like that the big three have played 16 total games together? No, so they've played so they played eight last year. 
and they played, I think, only one this year. And the 16 number may be the fact that they are they have a potential to play seven or eight once Kevin Durant comes back from injury. So they will going into the playoffs, maybe only have played 16 together <laughs> by the wow. time they get into the playoffs. <laughs> now, when they play together, they look great. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Like they're good, <laughs> uh, but they don't play basketball. Like they don't, they are, they're virtual players. They're metaverse players. They don't exist in the real world. They're only, you can only imagine what they're like uh, they, because we've never seen them play basketball together. It's ridiculous. Uh, I want to ask you about Harden because early in the season, one of the league wide stories was his play, questioning his condition, his athleticism. Can he adjust to these new rules? Statistically, he seems to have recovered his form. Do you have any lingering concerns about Harden this season, or do you feel like he's all the way back? You know, when you talk about lingering concerns, the thing I get uh, antsy about is, so Alex Schiffer and John Hollinger of The Athletic wrote a story basically like laying out the Nets' future, trade deadline, and all this stuff. And uh, Harden could sign an extension next this offseason, yeah. or would, would be a free agent, but he could re-sign with the team. That would pay him eventually $60 million when he's like 38 years old. Um, that's scary. So that's where my concern comes in. This season, though, I don't have. He's gotten back to mostly what he is. The foul shots are actually, I think they're on average as they were compared to last year. So like mm -hmm. the big hubbub, right, that they weren't calling the the cheating fouls. Even as a Nets follower, I can say he cheats at basketball. Um, they're They're calling them again. He manipulates guys like he used to. He's a little diminished to the rim. Really what he is, is he's not hes not this guy who, like, when he was with the Rockets, even when he had Chris Paul, even when he had Russell Westbrook, he was the best player on the team. Um, and the team could run through him. He's not that guy anymore. He's actually more of, like, a, you know, tr not traditional point guard, but more of a point guard. Mm -hmm. And he needs someone like Kyrie or KD next to him. But he's still a pretty good number two. Like, if you... If you map out the NBA and you compare the top contenders, is he the best number two? I would I would still say he is if Anthony Davis isn't healthy. And I mean, we could talk about the Lakers, but the you know that team is such a nightmare. So I don't even know if we could talk about top contenders in the Lakers anymore. So I yeah. feel good about Harden. It's just that he's not peak. Peak Harden's gone, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The consistent peak Harden that's no more. So what he is, he's a triple double guy. 20, 10, and 10. It's pretty good. You know, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> is it scarier? Is the 60 million scarier or Ugh. the fact that like Mark Stein is out there spreading rumors that maybe he would go somewhere else? That he would or, go to Philly? Yeah. Um, it, the, so I guess I shouldn't care about billionaires' money, right? Like, why do I care? But my fear is that the Nets re-sign Harden. He's good for one season. The remaining four years of that deal, he's bad. And then Kevin Durant, who has already signed his extension, is like, yeah, I don't know if Brooklyn's for me. And then this team becomes like in three years, Harden and a bunch of bad draft picks and a really like a really sad version <laughs> of the Nets. That's my fear. That's the thing that keeps me up at night is that's what's going to happen. And Kyrie will remain unvaccinated and, you know, we'll be on the Zeta variant and right. everything <laughs> exactly. is going to be awful. But hey, the, you know, it's all positive now. The, you know, the funny thing is I'm talking like so negatively and the Nets are a half a game out of the lead in the East. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, things th this is like rich people problems, right? This is, yeah. you know, this is the worst place to be in the world right now.
Are there like legitimate concerns with Nets fans that Harden would go somewhere else though? That he would go to Philly? I don't think so. I think everyone uh, is skeptical of the media leaks that seem to trace back to Daryl Morey at this point. Sure. It feel it just it, it's so predictable. Like the Tobias Harris rumor, the fact that he's the the Seventy Sixers are now considering attaching Tobias Harris's contract in a Ben Simmons trade is like, all right. There aren't like there's like two teams in the NBA who could take on both Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris in a deal. Mm-hmm. And and that's just an indication of the weakness that the 76ers have in this trade market. But, you know, it's like this comes out of Maury's teams all the time. Like they say these things, these things get leaked out. Oh, like maybe Luka Doncic would want to go to the Houston Rockets or, you know, like some crazy rumor. And we all have to grapple with it for a couple of weeks. And then we realize it's never going to happen. Like these things, like. Daryl Morey throws a bunch of stuff out there. Um, and sure, if he went to Philly, Harden and Embiid would be pretty awesome together. Um, but I don't I think that I think ultimately, like if you are James Harden, you're trying to win a championship. I'd rather be with Kyrie and KD as opposed to Embiid. Um, I think it's debatable for sure. Um, but I think it, I'd still rather be in Brooklyn with those two dudes. I mean, what do you if you were James Harden? What would you pick? Because I don't know if, it, yeah, I'm not saying it's like 100%, but would you rather be with Embiid for like three or four years or whatever the the weird Kyrie KD situation, <laughs> unfortunately? Like, I wish we could bank on Kyrie, but we don't know. It's so it's so difficult, right? Be- just because he, he doesn't really even know what it's like to play with Kevin and Kyrie. You know, (laughs) like he almost has as much information on playing with Embiid that he does with these other guys, you know, just because he hasn't done it all that much. So um, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how he feels about the situation there. Uh, And I don't know how he feels about his relationship with Daryl Morey, because a lot of people just tie it to that. Like he has a comfort level with Daryl and, you know, Daryl's going to do whatever. Um, So I it's it's as much of a mystery to me you know, as it is to everybody else. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm curious though, because, and, and even part of it though, if, if it was a trade and it was Ben Simmons back to the nets, like, would you feel comfortable with that? If it was nothing for dude, I'm so afraid of Ben Simmons. If I was any team at this point, aren't you like, I I don't understand, you know, I, I do remember how great he was and how impactful he can be on a game. But every time you bring up a conversation of like, Okay, you trade him to Sacramento or someone. Sure. He fits with like one player on a team. He basically only can fit on a team where everyone else is a three-point shooter. Yeah. Because the second you put him with a team that has like a legit center, not that the Nets do, um, like the Warriors talk, like him and Draymond on the court together is not a smart idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be cool to watch for a little bit, but then we'd all end up hating it because the what we what people love about the Warriors is the movement and all that stuff. And Ben Simmons like he kind of kills all movement because he can't shoot. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, but okay, if they make that deal. I would get behind it in a second. You know, right. I, just, <laughs> I know. I like, you can like, talk yourself into it. Like defender like that doesn't need all the possessions. And he plays center. He's small yeah, ball center. He's, yeah. Yeah. You, you know? can talk yourself into it. Really Patty easily. Mills is on the team. He's Australian. He can nurture Ben exactly. Simmons. Patty Mills <laughs> is like the greatest human in the world. Um, Sean Marks he, is New Zealander. Like, Hey, New Zealand, Australia is close together, even though they're like really not that close together. But, you know, because it seems like they are because, you know, I play risk. But uh, 
the, you know. So yeah, I, I can really talk myself into it. Um, but I'm also terrified of all those eventualities. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's talk about Kyrie, who no, no. has now let's played not. in five games. Yeah, had arguably his two best games of the season this week. He went twenty-seven, seven and nine against the Cavs, thirty-three and seven against the Wizards. How well do you think the Nets and Kyrie have been adjusting to their new reality, where he only plays in road games? And how do you just think he's looked overall? It's funny. I don't think anyone wants to admit the national media doesn't want to admit how amazing it is what Kyrie is doing. A guy who so they he's he's been playing really well since he's come back. Um, he, as you said, like he's playing even better than when he started. He's twenty two five and five, um, a, a, getting more and more efficient. And he said after I think it was the Wizards game, they're like, "How did you stay in shape?" And he's like, "Well, I played with like high school kids in New Jersey," and. It's so ridiculous to think of like we're in this era of these guys, each of these high level athletes like Kyrie, but classically LeBron, like LeBron spends like a million and a half dollars on his body and his training of his own money so that he can play at peak performance. And Kyrie just is like, oh, yeah, I played with high schoolers. I worked on my game. He said he played 21, you know, like he didn't even play like five on five. He was just playing like, hey, 21. Um, and he comes in and he's he's like basically an all star level guard yeah. right out of this awful situation. So, again, no one really wants to admit that he's playing well because it sounds like you're like kind of condoning being anti-vax. But <laughs> but it, like we have to like look at what happens on the basketball court. And it's such a strange thing because for, I think for a lot of Nets fans, you know, like to take it back for a second. Obviously, New York was hit hardest by COVID, at least early on. And uh, you have the one of the best players on the team who's, you know, not going to get vaccinated. But yet when you watch him play, you're like, you almost forget about it because he's so electric, so exciting to watch. And it's such a thrill <laughs> to have him back out there. And again, we talked about it, but like, if Kevin Durant got hurt and Kyrie wasn't playing, this team would be losing every game. There's no shot that they're winning with Harden and then Kessler Edwards and everyone else. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, like, Kyrie's kind of a the unvaccinated savior for this team at this point. Um, and it's you know it's exciting to see him play basketball, but doesn't I don't know if he's going to play basketball in the playoffs on the road or at home. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just such a there's every time you try to think like you get happy about Kyrie, you also get sad because you're like, well, he's not going to play in Brooklyn ever again for his life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Brian Windhorst reported on his podcast this week that the Nets have dipped their toes in the trade market for Nick Claxton. Uh, What do you think about the idea of trading Claxton? And have you guys come up as a Nets community with some trades that you want to happen for Nick Claxton? Nick Claxton is it's a sensitive subject because people as much as as exciting as it does have Durant, Harden and Kyrie, like the Nets fan base still is ultimately the type of fan base that like really latches on to the young developmental prospect, because for so many years, that's all the Nets had. Like yeah. they never had stars that were actually good. Um, it seems like every time a star would come to to Brooklyn and at the end of the New Jersey run, like Darren Williams, they would just end up declining pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the Claxton trade scenario is like there. It's the toughest situation because he is the one piece on the team that has real trade value that 
you could kind of part with. But what would you want to trade Nick Claxton for? You'd want to trade him for like a really good defensive center. And frankly, like the defensive statistics on Claxton are insane. Like he is, I think, the best switching big man in basketball in terms of when he switches on to any other player, he they have the lowest you know field goal percentage against him. Um, but but even knowing that, he is not a good like post defender, like traditional post defender. If you matched up against Embiid or Jokic, he's not like he's not effective at really stopping a high level offensive big man like that. He is good though in this defense because all the Nets do is switch, like most of the NBA. Um, it's really hard to figure out the market. The other thing that's kind of looming in the back mind of most Nets fans is the fact that. This team is so expensive. Um, Claxton's up for an extension or up to be, you know, have the ability to to sign a deal with the Nets. And, you know, Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, really can't pay any more money beyond the luxury tax and salary cap that he's already paying. So, like, pretty much everyone knows that he's going to be gone if the Nets, if someone throws, like, a decent contract at Claxton, like a mid-level yeah. exception deal, mm-hmm. uh, non-taxpayer. So it's like $9 million, which I think is like he's in line for. He's exciting enough, young enough, talented enough that like think about like the Thunder. Like if you're a team that has like the Thunder, the Pistons, like why would you not throw $9 million a year at Claxton to see if, you know, he turns into uh, Clint Capella 2.0, right? Like yeah. I, th- I think he has that potential. So I don't know. I think they I think they keep him unless if they it's like almost like break in case of emergency like they're not just dealing claxton just to move them it's like they needed a a pure target i don't know if that's like robert covington but i would rather have claxton than covington at this point this covington Covington is yeah he's a good wing switch you know he can play center and all that stuff but like covington also is not a good on ball post on ball defender really at all he's just a really good switcher um and you already have that claxton so yeah keep him Brian Windhorst, stop talking. Brian, come on. <laughs> stop Sharp is not rebel rousing. Daron Sharp is not enough to uh, convince you to get rid of Nick Claxton. <laughs> That's my guy. We did we did a fun thing on my show. We did before the season and then the quarter poll. We drafted, me and my co-host Brian drafted players on the Nets. So like I had half the team, he had half the team. And I took Daron, I think, in both drafts. And I've the thing about Sean Marks, who runs the team, he drafts big men really well. Like he got Jared Allen, yep. picked him 21st, I think. Nick Claxton was a second round pick that, again, like he should not be a second round pick. He's so talented. Yeah. And Dayron Sharp's the end of the first round. I'm already seeing some signs. He's a really good rebounder. He's crafty around the rim. The thing I love about him is that he played on that Montverde Academy high school right. team with Scotty Barnes, Moses Moody, Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Um, And so he's already played with high level athletes where he's not controlling the ball at all. So he's already used to just getting passes and scoring around the bucket. But am I happy if he's starting against Joel Embiid, (laughs) the Bucks, anyone? (laughs) No, I'm terrified. Yeah. Again. So, uh, you know, the, the one, the move the Nets could make is like a package of Cam Thomas. They want to get rid of Paul Millsap and something else for like a, a, a little bit better backup wing. Um, but this team is like, it's pretty hard to make a deal with the Nets. That makes yeah. it less fun as a fan. You can't trade really anyone on the team besides yeah. Kyrie. 
which I, I've talked about before. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, Mike, thank you for answering all of our questions. Yes. It is now time to play Andrew versus The Beat, the weekly game show where Andrew goes <laughs> head-to-head with a beat writer for an NBA team. This week, our guest, Mike Smeltz of the Glue Guys podcast. Mike, how this works, uh, I have eight questions okay. about the next Nets. Um, some of them are easy, some of them are hard. You're going to pick a number. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, Mike, all I need from you is a number between one and eight. Eight. Number eight. James Harden is currently averaging 10 assists per game which would be the third time in his career to average that many assists over a season. There are three active players, however, who have had at least four seasons averaging at least 10 assists per game. Name them all. Russell Westbrook. Okay, I'm not going to tell you if they're right or wrong. Chris Paul. Okay, that's two. John Wall. No, four. John Wall. Oh, well, I'm going to put, I said it, but... You no, go. you if you can you can go back nah, on it. No, for I the want sake Andrew of, to lose. For the sake of flow, I'll I'll stick with John Wall. Let's stick well, with uh, you were right in that you were wrong, yeah. uh, Andrew. You <laughs> oh boy, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. Who is the third? Nick Young is he active? No. Nick Young. <laughs> <laughs> How many seasons is it, Al? Four seasons, averaging Four. at least ten assists per game. I have an Sheesh. idea, but I, uh, I'm not going to say it. Obviously, I'm, I'm out of the running. Is that correct? There's no like. Uh, take that back is correct. Season. I mean, you could that help right. Andrew if you, you wanted to for me. some reason, but I would never mm. want to do that. <laughs> okay, my my backup guess was correct. So if you can look into my look into my soul, Andrew, <sighs> I'm trying. He can I give him a hint? 
No, I mean, you yes, can. of course you could, but why? He had one of the greatest game-winning passes recently. Jokic? No, Andrew. <laughs> it was... Wait, wh- why did you say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was that looking at... <laughs> no, this is embarrassing. I was looking at rebounds, not assists. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think Jokic has done that. Like that would be very surprising to me, because that means well, he that averaged was... a triple double. Because I don't that's, think he's done that. That's hilarious. what a diabolical <laughs> move wow. by Mike to lead Andrew down the wrong road. No, it was Rajon Rondo. Oh, oh stop. man, Gosh, that's horrible, horrible. Wow. All right, no points, Andrew. Uh, you have control of the board. Number one, question Ooh. number one: the Nets' big three have all had huge scoring nights throughout their respective careers. Rank KD, Harden, and Irving based on their career-high scoring games, starting with the highest single-game score. So who has scored the most in a single game? Who has scored the second most? Who has scored the third most? You're going to rank those in order. Harden, Kyrie, KD. Andrew, that is correct. Harden had 61. Irving had 57. KD... Only 54. Pretty surprising. I uh, didn't mark that one off. Okay, Mike, back to you. Okay. Oh, six. Question number six. James Harden mm-hmm. is currently averaging 15.8 drives per game, which is the 10th most in the NBA. We're going to try to name the nine players <laughs> who average more drives per game than James Harden. How this works, Mike, you're going to give me a name. Then we're going to get Andrew. He'll give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So you just have to give me someone who has more drives per game than James Harden. Luka Doncic? That is correct. He's number two. Shea Gilders Alexander. That is correct. He is number one. Back to Mike. John Morant? John Morant is number three. Back to Andrew. Oh, boy. Those are like the names I had in my head. <laughs> is there a games the... minimum? Uh, there probably is, but it, it doesn't come. It doesn't factor okay. in. There's not like some weird name on this list. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Andrew, that is incorrect. You lose the points. Mike gets them. The other names: Trey Young, mm. duh. Russell Westbrook. Uh, I was kind of uh, kind of I don't know kind of kind of duh uh, Bradley Beal Dejounte Murray Malcolm Ooh. Brogdon and De'Aaron Fox. There's no mm. way the last like the last three. Even though I have Dejounte Murray on my fantasy team, I still would not have. That <laughs> <laughs> we have a tie. We have a tie ball game. Two hey, to two, Andrew. Ooh. Number two. Oh, that's Question a number bad two. pick. Bad pick. It is a bad pick. <laughs> According to basketballreference.com, the Nets are one of only five teams in the league where every player on the current 17-man roster played collegiate basketball in the United States. Name one of the other four teams. And how this works, there are four teams. If you know more than one, I will give you a bonus point for any extra guesses. So Mike could still get some points on this. Holy smokes. So there's okay. four other teams where every single guy on the 17-man roster played collegiate basketball in the United States. I think. I oh, one. boy. We've already narrowed it down to 29, and mm. there's four left, so you, four in 29 chance to get one right. Goodness. This is a hard question. I'll give you a hint. Dallas Mavericks. Say Dallas Mavericks. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't, I can't, no one I can think of on that team. Yeah, Andrew, you Collegiate. have a 13, 13.8% chance of getting keep the, uh, keep one those hands up, Andrew. Keep those hands up. I don't want you. I'm my hands up. No Google. Um, is Andrew typing? No Google. Um, you say the one team I'm thinking of. Then I'm Chicago. Chicago Bulls, Andrew, that is wrong. Thank you. All right, Mike, you have a big opportunity here because not only could you get one point, you have a chance to get four points if you somehow ran the table here. Knicks. Also wrong. Okay, zero points for everyone. Um, did Evan Fournier? I don't think Evan Fournier oh, played basketball. Duh. Uh, the four teams. Dummy. Miami Heat. Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, would you believe it? Is that Memphis, true? Yeah, that's Grizzlies. right. Pirtle went to uh, Utah, Utah, right? Yeah. And the Grizz. Okay, so it's still Dollar. tied 2-2. Two to two. Mike, you have control of the board. Um, Three. Question Damn number it. three. Wait. Oh, Fournier, that makes me so sad. <laughs> I, just have to know on the, I just have to know who on the Bulls Vuk. didn't play collegiate basketball. Like, I just can't even think of it. I'll, I'll, tell you, sure. I'll tell you right I'm now. I'll tell I'm you sure right I'm now. wrong, but I just you can't are think wrong. Of it. Vucevic, right? I, I, no, Vuce played at, US, at oh, USC. Oh, this is very right. funny. Okay, listen. I just went by. I, you go to the basketball reference page. If there was a line that was blank, I counted that as them not playing. Okay. The only person on the Bulls who did not play collegiate basketball is rookie Marco Simonovic. Don't even so, know who that is. You were very close, Andrew. That's Wait, why I, d- I, okay. I Here's what I, I don't know. I'm not the game master here, but I'm willing to give that to Andrew. If- <laughs> why are you doing this? Why are you <laughs> trying to help Andrew? Do you want to lose? Who Do you is, have a death wish, Mike? Does Marco Simon- uh, He's played nine games, so he's played enough. He's to played where- nine games. Okay, this is not like a 10-day contract. Okay. okay, we'll count it. That's fine. How okay. do you not know uh, about Marco? Come on. Yeah, Andrew, get with it. All right. <laughs> Uh, next question, number three. Blake Griffin has taken 92 three-pointers this year and is shooting 20.7%. There have only been 17 other players in NBA history who have taken at least 93s and shot under 21%. Two of those achieved this feat during the, who achieved this feat during their career are still playing in the NBA. One plays for the Pacers and one plays for the Magic. Can you name one of them? So I've given you what teams they're on. And these are guys who at some point during their career took at least 93s in a season and <laughs> shot under 21%. One currently plays for the Magic. One currently plays for the Pacers. Can you get one of them? Okay. So I'm just going to lay out my thinking. This is, this is okay. called vamping. This is professional vamping. It'd be funny if Mo Bamba was one of the answers because Mo Bamba's <laughs> scouting report and I'm also trying to glean something from Alex at this point. Mm-hmm. Trying to, mm-hmm. Is that um, that he was a three-point shooting seven-foot-six big, right? Or however tall he is. Right, right, correct. So that would be funny if that That'd was That would be him. very funny. Um, would it be true? I don't know. Hmm. You said the Pacers. I'm correct. going down their roster in my head. They have some good shooters. They also have a guy who hasn't played this year. Okay. Uh who is a very good scorer named TJ Warren. I don't know if you've heard of mm. him, but he's not a really a three point shooter, Mm-mm. but it would be odd that he shot the ball enough from three. Cause he really doesn't like to shoot threes. God, I really want to say Mo Bamba, 
I'm gonna. S- I feel like the thing is, I'm gonna say it, and then it's gonna be the thing you're gonna, the person you're gonna say. I'm gonna be like, I should have said that. <laughs> but I'm That's usually say, how trivia works. I'm gonna say Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, Mike, you got it wrong. <laughs> Andrew, you have a chance to steal. A Sabonis. Sabonis, Andrew, you also got it wrong. Okay, before I reveal the answer, TJ Warren, in 2017-18, he's not the answer, but he did take 93s and shot 22.2%. Okay, I feel almost, a little so very right. good guess. Uh, the correct answer is Lance Stevenson in his one year with Charlotte, uh, and then yeah. Gary Harris, I was, would you believe? I would think Gary Harris because he's bad. And that probably one, is the reason. One point he was compared to Bradley Beal, and that felt. What did Domas weird. shoot his rookie year? I don't know if he um, shot the ball enough from three, though. That's the thing. You have Google. Why am I doing this? Uh, he shot thirty-two point one percent. That actually wow. seems really that decent. seems way better than <laughs> what my what brain remember. remembers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Andrew. We still have a tie game, and uh, you have control of the board. Number four. Question number four. The Nets have dealt with injuries, COVID, voluntary absences this season. And as a result, their most played lineup has only played 171 minutes together. If I told you Kevin Durant and James Harden were in Brooklyn's most played lineup, how many of the other three players can you name? And I will give you one point per correct answer. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So this is the Nets' most played lineup. I've already given you two two of the five. Patty Mills? Patty Mills, wrong, Andrew. Oh, no, seriously. Over to Mike. Yes, seriously. Oh, well, that would have been my first answer, too. And I watch every game of the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, most played lineup. All right, well, I know. Oh, God, this is hard. This season. This season. <laughs> <laughs> this is me stalling. This is like when you ask on a spelling bee. Like, no, the most three years ago. No. Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus <laughs> Aldridge. Also wrong. I'm wow. double checking that this is true. Yes, this is true. The most played lineup for the Brooklyn Nets this year Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, and Joe Harris, who it doesn't is feel like has right? played. Well, this season at all. That is like early in the lineup, early in the year. Like that was, that got a lot of minutes. It did. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a disaster because Blake Griffin is unplayable at this point. Uh, (laughs) And Bruce Brown technically is too. Uh, Mike, we still have a tie game. Uh, You have control of the board. It's 2-2. There's two questions left. Five. Question number five. Kevin Durant and James Harden are getting to the line as usual this season, both averaging over seven free throw attempts per game. Who is third on the Nets in free throw attempts per game? LaMarcus Aldridge. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. It's not who you think it is, Andrew. It might be who you think it is, Andrew. Guys, we have breaking news. What is it? Alan Crabb is signing a G League deal. <laughs> this is huge. Wow. Stop the pod. <laughs> Stop the should, trivia. Should we re rack the show? <laughs> so. Yeah, let's do it over. <laughs> All right. Um, is it Cam Thomas? Cam Thomas, no. <clears throat> you even watch the Nets. It's Dayron Sharp. 
D-Rock Is that Sharp. true? Three three point three free He's throws played per like game. Four games this year. Hey, you could have said Kyrie, and I would have counted it, but he has also not averaged more free throws than that per game. This is how it went. I'm fine with it. I'm just I'm just complaining because I got it wrong. But all right, yeah. yeah, Andrew, you have first dibs on the last question. You could win it right here if you just get this right. Okay. The Nets have four rookies that have played minutes this season. Of those four rookies, who has played the most minutes? And who has played the fewest minutes? So which Nets rookie has played the most? Which Nets rookie has played the least? Um, Cam Thomas the most. Is Dayron the least? Andrew? That is absolutely correct. And Andrew wins the week. Dayron Sharp has somehow played fewer minutes than David Duke (laughs) Jr. (laughs) Wow. A thrilling win. Four to two oh. over Mike Smeltz. Thank you, Mike, for playing the game. Oh, man. Uh, I, I hate this podcast. So <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, go listen to The Glue Guys. It really is a great podcast. It's a really fun podcast. You should go listen we're, to it. Mike. Mina Kimes' favorite show. She Yeah. She, it's, oh, how wow. How is that? Yeah. Fan yeah. of the show. It's an, um, it's an unbelievable show. She, she Gotta wanted go listen to get to in it. our Discord. You know what a Discord is? Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you had her on the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's oh, yeah. literally oh, her favorite show. She wow. yeah, tweeted She tweeted out, Apple Podcast had a thing on Twitter that said, name your the most comforting show or something like that. And she said, the glue guys. And we were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's amazing. What the hell? A- Andrew, why don't we have a celebrity <laughs> endorsement? So awesome. uh, we have a few. I could get Do a we? few. I, I know. Well, yeah. Andrew Yang. Yeah, we got the we got Andrew Yang. <laughs> We're part of the Yang Gang. Not as not as cool as Mina Kimes. <laughs> not as cool as Mina Kimes. Yeah, nobody's cool as Mina Kimes. Oh man! All right, thanks, thanks Mike. Appreciate you coming on, man. All right, thank you to Mike Smeltz. But it is now time to choose a new favorite team, Andrew. We've done the uh, Brooklyn Nets. We've done the Utah Jazz. We've done the Milwaukee mm. Bucks. We're on yep. round two of the wheel, so we've got 27 teams left. Could be Ooh. any of them. So many good teams. Let's so do many this. Good teams, then bad teams. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Spinning the wheel. We've gotten three good teams in a row, so I'm guessing we we're about to get a terrible team. Oh, Who no. will it be? No, another good one! The yes. Philadelphia 76ers in the lead-up to trade deadline. Oh, what this a is gift. perfect. This is truly a gift. I cannot wait to talk Sixers next week. As a reminder, go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on the show. And with that, I'm going to read a couple of five-star reviews. This first one comes from Sig is Inside. It says, love Slam and Jam. Five stars, and they just left an exclamation point. Thanks so much for that review. And then we have another one from Canada. Agent Cooper 2 says, Missing my Saturday Slam and Jam. The weekend doesn't start for me without a cup of coffee and Alex and Andrew's opinions of the NBA week. Even one week away has thrown me off. If you don't want the same talking points repeated by different voices, go directly to Alex and Andrew's deep NBA analysis, interesting stats, and of course, Andrew versus the Beat. Go Raptors. Thank you so much for those reviews. 
go leave us one if you want it read on the show. We would very, very much appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.